you thriving or just surviving? You know, it, it has been a tough four plus months since we were here and I've looked out and seen people. Last night at practice, I stood up here and looked out and I saw people and they were so excited. And even today as I sat there and, and looked, even though we're not a large number today, I could just got teary just being here with my church family. I've missed you guys. I'm a bit of an introvert, so it's unusual for me to want people, but I do. We all need people. We need those people. And, and I just, you know, I love you guys. I really do. I love this church family, and that's really what's going to help us to thrive. You know, what, what's going to help us to thrive is really what that last song. I love that last song, you know. I'm no longer a slave to fear. And how many people are living with fear these days, you know? And if we want to thrive, then we can know that we're a child of God. And the things that are happening in this world don't matter because we're resting in His arms. And today, as we introduce this new series, Thrive, I hope it's going to help you to thrive. You know, how are you going spiritually? Have you found it, this a time where you're spiritually struggling, that you're actually going the wrong direction? You know, if that's the case, you know, I want to introduce to you today how you can change that, how you can actually start to not just survive, but to thrive, not only thrive physically, but spiritually in the most meaningful way. And that's really what this series is all about, as Lockie and I share with you over the next few weeks, um, this Thrive series. Now, I, I'm not much of a green thumb. Do we have any green thumbs here? Yeah, well, um, there's some people's hands gone up. I've had a few goes, but um, I'm not very good at it. You know, I, I put a seed and I expect it just to go. Um, but, you know, gardening is something that is very spiritual. Lots of lessons. You find that Jesus often told stories and he used the language of the people. And the language of the people in Jesus' time was they knew how things grow. They depended on that. They knew about growing veggies, growing fruits, growing grapes. And um, that's really what we're going to look at today. An amazing metaphor or parable, as it's called, that Jesus told. And this sets the, um, the foundation for really the rest of our series. Because everything is really based on what this uh, metaphor is talking about. And so this language that Jesus used is one that we understand. I, I think if Jesus had been here in 2020, he would probably use different language. You know, he would probably talk about um, the technology stuff. You know, he'd talk about the internet. He'd talk about things that we could relate to. And, and I think as we look at this story, I'm going to take the liberty to actually sometimes use more modern terminology as we talk about this. Um, but in this time that we're going to look at today, and it's really when Jesus was towards the end of his ministry. As we know, Jesus spent three and a half years traveling around, preaching, healing people, and his disciples followed him and doing amazing things. But he knew his time was coming close to an end. And in John chapter 14, this is after the Last Supper. So Jesus had just had this very intimate time with his disciples. And after this time, Jesus took the opportunity to teach some very powerful things. And in John chapter 14, 15, and actually 16 as well, leading up to the Garden of Gethsemane, you, you see some powerful stuff. And as we look at these things that Jesus taught, 
you might say, well, you know, this is, this is prime time. This is crucial. Because Jesus has been warning his disciples, listen, I'm not going to be with you much longer. Now, they kind of denied this. They didn't want to accept that because, you know, they had this misconception of what Jesus' real role was. They thought he was going to set up this earthly kingdom. They didn't realize that he was actually getting close to dying one of the most horrific, horrible deaths that anyone's ever had. And, and, and Jesus knew that his time was coming, and he took advantage of this time not to kind of warn the disciples about, oh, well, you, you need to um, not listen to some of that music they're having at the temple these days, or maybe you should not be following the latest fashion styles, or, um, you know... He didn't warn them about a conspiracy that was actually happening where they were conspiring to kill him. He didn't say anything about that. What did Jesus want his disciples to focus on? Is He wanted to prepare them. Prepare them. How can they thrive without him? Because they relied on him pretty heavy. But he knew he was leaving. And it was really up to his disciples to carry on and to spread the message. And what's the key message is a message of good news, a message of love. And so these disciples had this job to do this. And as Jesus shares what I would call a real nugget, um, you know, like a golden nugget, this, this story we're going to focus on today, because this is really a core to what being a Christian is all about and actually growing and producing fruit and being. Uh, what God's called us to be. You know, this is too, just like it was preparing his disciples for a real crisis, I believe too, this is for us, to prepare us for a crisis we're already living in, a crisis that will continue. Because we know that these things have been warned. As Christians, we shouldn't be surprised that the world's been turned upside down in 2020. We knew these things were going to happen. We didn't know exactly how they would unfold. Do we need to worry? Do I need to be afraid? No. I'm no longer afraid. I'm not afraid. Okay? You know, the fact is we're all infected with a virus today. Fortunately, uh, hopefully it's not the, the virus of, uh, affecting the world so much right now, but it's the virus of sin. And that virus of sin only has one cure. And that's what today, as we open scriptures about, it's about this cure. And I invite you to um, read with me as we look here in John chapter 15. Reading this amazing metaphor about Jesus as he teaches about gardening. So here in verse 1, so chapter 15 of John, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. So here, straight away, Jesus identifies that he's the vine. Now, you know, as I studied on this, I read about grapevines are actually something pretty amazing. Um, I grew passion fruit a few years ago when I lived over um, in, near Park Ridge. And um, every couple of years, you had to replant them. They stopped producing. But grapevines, evidently, they can go for hundreds of years and continue to, to, to produce fruit. And, and, and they can grow to be sometimes uh, meters and meters away from you know, the, the, the vine where it goes in the ground and they grow and, and they produce fruit and they're, they're quite amazing. But I do want to point out, I put there the 
um, New King James Version of this because it doesn't say gardener. And some of the more modern uh, translations use the word gardener or um, farmer. But this word in the, the New King James, I want to focus on because it says it calls, my father is the vine dresser. Now, what's a vine dresser? You know, what's the difference between a farmer and a vine dresser? Well, actually, there's a huge difference because a farmer kind of plants his crop when the right season comes and does a little bit to it and just leaves it to grow and then, you know, forgets about it or harvests it until the next season when it's time to... But, but a, 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 a vine dresser is there every season. Matter of fact, every day. Daily, that vine dresser's walking down the, the rows of his vineyards, checking that they're healthy, checking that there's not bugs eating them, checking that you know, the leaves aren't withered. If they are, you know, they're not getting the right nutrients that, that, that the plant needs. This vine dresser is there daily. And this is very important as we go on to the next verse in verse 2. And here it says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Now, as we look at the original Greek, he uses the word ara for that word cut off. And, and, and actually it can be translated lifts up. And it, it brings a bit of a different meaning to this because as you grow uh, these grapes, some of the branches that grow close to the ground, they have... Um, little tap roots that will try to tap down to the ground and get some of the nutrients on their own. And so what this verse is really saying that the vine dresser would come along and he'll lift up those branches so they're not no longer trying to get the nutrients because what happens when those those tap roots tap in those branches no longer produce fruit. And so the gardener will put a rock or some way to prop that branch up to keep it from doing those tap roots. So then it can get the original source from the main vine and it can then again produce fruit. You know, this, this is Jesus' reason for telling this. He wants his disciples to produce fruit just like us. He wants us to produce fruit. This is what this whole lesson is all about fruit and the next bit of this verse can be a bit painful now going back to, don't go to the next one yep we're still on this one and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so they will produce even more fruit now again I'm not a gardener I haven't done a lot of pruning but when I was living in Ballarat we had these rose bushes along the front of our house and I, I imagine they've been there for many years because I could almost call these rose trees. They were big and, and they would produce roses. And, and every year I, I knew I had to prune them and I'd just cut them a little bit off. And, you know, I'd think, oh, I'm going to kill it. And, and as I stayed there longer, I started getting more aggressive and I would really cut them right back. And, you know, the more aggressive, the more I cut those rose bushes back. The next, when the spring came and those, they bloomed, they would produce so many more flowers. You know, and the, the, meta, the, the metaphor here for us in our Christian lives, you know, we, we experience things. I was talking to someone before church about some of the things I've been through. They were sharing some of their aches and pains. I was sharing how, you know, just a little over a year ago I had a hip replacement and how well it's going, but I've had other aches and pains that have come. And, you know, it's terrible. But, you know, God has worked 
through my aches and pains. He's taught me things. He's taught me to rely on Him. He's taught me to be um, able to put aside the pain and know that even though He doesn't take it away always straight away anyway, that He's going to get me through. He's there with me. You know, what a great God we have. And so when He comes out and you see Him with a knife... And it looks sharp and you're feeling a bit scared because you know he's going to cut some things, you know, some things that you like indulging in, some things that you know are not good for your life, but you have them there anyway. You know, don't be afraid. Let him cut them. Okay, it might be painful. You might go through a period of time. You might need some extra support. You might need to go to a counselor. You might need some more life group time or whatever it might be. But don't put it off. Let him prune you. Because then, what's going to happen? You're going to have fruit. And that's what this whole series is about, us having fruit. And, and, and fruit is a wonderful thing. But the one thing that's really... The, the foundation of the fruit is one word. And it's called love. And I just want to turn to another scripture here in... Um, Colossians, and Colossians chapter 3, let's go to the next slide there, there we go, Colossians 3, it says, Paul says, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, you know, those are wonderful things, you know, Um, and, and God's chosen people, by the way, who is that? Anyone. As a matter of fact, even the person out there that denies God exists is still chosen. You know, if you read in, in I think it's John 15, 15, that, where he says, I cho- I've already chosen you. God's already chosen us. We just have to make a choice to accept him choosing us and accept that, hey, the free gift he's offered to us. And we go on to the next verse. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against one, someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You This is such an important concept for us as humans because if we hold grudges, if we are not forgiving people, God can't really work in us. He can't really uh, allow us to produce fruit. And and we're really not, we're going to be like that taproot. You know, we're going to try to do it ourselves, but we're not going to have any fruit. We're not going to have results. And then the last verse here in in Colossians 3.14 And over all these virtues, put on what? Love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Love is the ingredient that it it, it binds everything. It has to be there. It's the glue that sticks it all together. It's the layer that we all need. And if we're trying to be a Christian, and we're somehow trying to be a Christian, without that that, that layer of love, we're, we're not really a Christian. We're, again, taproots. Because God is love. And the only way we can tap into God is through the vine. As Jesus said, the only way to the Father is through me. The Father is ultimately the gardener. The, um, he's the farmer, but we can only get to the Father through Jesus. The vine, as we're connected to him, then the Father can care for us. And then we can produce what? Fruit. And what fruit do we produce? Well, let's go to that... Very popular um, verse, the next verse in Galatians chapter 5. And here in Galatians 5, we have a list 
of the fruit that God wants to produce in our lives. And actually the first fruit, I believe, is actually not a separate fruit. As I just said and as we just read in Colossians, this fruit is like the, the glue, the layer that helps those other fruit to be produced. Because without the love, it says here, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there's no law against these things. But, you know, to have real joy, it's only through love that we have that. It's only through um, love that we have real peace. And we're going to be going through these fruits of the Spirit in this series and looking at them closely, each one, and how our lives can more produce these things and how we can thrive. You know, we need to be connected to what? The vine, which is Jesus. I mean, we live in a very connected world in a lot of ways. You know, we, we have our, our phones, which seem to always be connected, you know. And, and to, you know, we're a bit um, not knowing what to do if we can't Google something or if we can't look up on the map, you know. How do we live without these phones? We're a very connected world, but yet we're unconnected in a lot of ways, too, because we're doing everything through social media and stuff instead of, you know, like we are today. We're, we're actually appreciating face-to-face is pretty important, isn't it? It's pretty good to actually be able to hug and shake hands, and hopefully the future will be doing that again. And um, those that have uh, family members in your homes, give them extra hugs because they can't get those from outside your homes. They're not supposed to anyway. So, you know, let's, let's be a people that are social distancing when we have to, but when we don't have to, let's actually, that physical context very powerful and very important. We need to be connected. The, the, as we read on, we're going to go back here to our original text and uh, hopefully the next slide's the right one yep in John chapter 5 so here Jesus going on with this metaphor this parable he says yes I am the vine and you are the branches those who are connected to me and to to them will produce much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing and going on to the next verse oh no sorry no we aren't leave it right there here is and I did, I did actually change the wording there. I put modified. So that's the Mike Collin version. I hope you don't mind. Because, you know, the words used are abide or to remain. And to me, that's really being connected. You know, when we remain with something, you stay there. If you abide in something, you know, you're living with it. You're part of it and connected. And our goal as Christians is to be constantly, 24-7, connected to God. And God says that's what he wants. He's the gardener. He's the vine dresser. He's there walking up and down, looking at our lives, wanting to be part of our lives every single day. And it's up to us to respond to that. I'm going to close with a story that I told, sorry, that I experienced when I had my first couple of years in Tasmania. My first four years in Australia were in Tasmania. And for those watching online in America, Tassie is a real place. Tasmania is a real place. As a matter of fact, it's one of the most incredible places I've ever been. And um, it's, it, it was an amazing time I spent there. But one of the things I learned quickly was the amazing outdoors and bushwalks they have. And one of the most famous walks in the world is called the Overland Track. And the Overland Track, you go on at, at, Dove, at um, Cradle Mountain and it ends at Dove Lake. And, and listen, people take often a week or more to walk through it. Now, um, our youth director when I was there was named Adrian Clack. And he was a fantastic young minister. He actually married my wife and I. And Adrian was just very um, 
fit and very determined. Um, I went mountain biking with him one time, and I, I didn't even try to keep up with him. But he did the Overland Track, and he did it in three days. And I thought, oh, if he did it in three, I could probably do it in five. So I gave myself five days, and it was coming on to Christmas. It's only about a week from Christmas in, in 1995, I think it was. And, and so um, I had Karen drop me off and, um, at Cradle Mountain. I had my backpack, I had my gear, and I started heading out. Well, Cradle Mountain, even this is December, even the middle of summer, you get some crazy weather. You get rain and sometimes even snow in these uh, highlands of... Of, of Tasmania and so I'm hiking along but I was kind of relying on there are huts you can bunk down on right but this is kind of a busy season and as I'm walking along I'm meeting all these people from I remember I think it was six or seven different countries that of people I met from all over the world doing this walk and the first night I get to this hut and it's chockers there's no spare beds now I did have a tent but my tent wasn't very good and um I ended up, it was a rainy night too, and I ended up putting up this tent in the rain outside. And I remember finally getting in there, I'm wet, and I'm, I was probably being a bit naughty, running my terangi to try to keep warm and dry out a little bit. Um, and I, was, I remember seeing leeches on the outside of the tent, you know, it was quite a, a, a memorable experience. It wasn't a very good night, I didn't sleep much, and, and the next day, there's no way I could have uh, continued my walk, I was just... I had to dry out. So I waited till everyone kind of went on their way from the hut, and I went in. There was a place where you build a fire in there, and I spent all day just drying everything out. And uh, by the next day, I slept in one of the uh, wire beds inside this hut. And I headed out the next day, and, but still I wasn't making the progress that I thought I would. And I was getting close to this fifth day, and I was supposed to be coming out the other end, and, and I could see, this is going to take me three or four days. I'm, I'm going to be here past Christmas. And my wife's not going to be, well, actually, I wasn't married yet, but, you know, she, I was supposed to spend Christmas with her and her family. And I said, she's not going to really appreciate that much. And so I started looking at the map. And as I looked at the map, I could see uh, we, we had a, a Pathfinder camp once at this place called Arm River. And it's a little scout camp they have there. And... Uh, I could see there was a side track where I could get off the Overland track and come out on this Arm River, but I had one problem. How do I tell Karen? Now, I did have a mobile phone, and back then in 1995, there were quite big mobile phones, and I had two batteries that were bigger than the phone themselves. You know, one is a backup battery, so I was being very careful, though. But do you think there's much reception in the Overland track? No, but, but fortunately, with the old analog phones, you know, sometimes you can get coverage you know through the mountains and stuff I think even better with the digital um, phones that we have now but that next day as I left the hut I stopped and prayed and I said God you know my situation I need reception I need to be connected so I can ring Karen and tell her where to pick me up and after I prayed that that morning and I headed out I started on this track heading out the Arm River track and every time I'd stop for a rest, I'd get my phone out. And I'd real slowly do a 360, no bars, no bars, no bars. All day I did that. No bars, no bars, no bars. It was getting a little past lunchtime and I started getting hungry. And I, the sun was shining on this rock and I'll never forget that. Was, it was like the sun was just shining through this one spot on the rock. 
And it was like, yeah, that's the spot I want to sit. And I sat there to have a little bite to eat and have a rest and have a drink. And as I was sitting there, I held up my phone. And suddenly I saw one little bar. One little bar. You know, I, I believe without a doubt, God sent that little bit of sunlight to tell me right where I needed to sit. And I rang Karen and I said, I don't know how long this will last, but I'm going to be at the hut, that scout hut at Arm River Track. Please pick me up. You know, I'll be there in a, by this evening. And anyway, she, she got the message. You know, the rest of the day as I started continuing to hiking, I, I, I just was curious. And I continued to hold my phone up and look for reception. You know, not one single time again did I get a single bar. Guys, God wants to be connected to you 24-7. We never run out of reception with God. You know, but sometimes as Christians, we seem to think by doing our duty, you know, maybe even if you say a prayer in the morning, say grace before your meal, say your prayers at night. But that's really not about being connected 24-7. God wants our prayers to be an outflow of our continual connection with Him. And I know that I've failed in this area so many times personally, and I want to be better at it. I want to be connected to the vine 24-7. I want to be connected to that so my life can truly produce the fruit. How much is the world needing people who are connected to the vine, producing the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control? These are the things. We as Christians should be thriving. And I just want to pray with you as I close that God will help us to stay connected, that we can thrive as Christians. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for that trip he made to Jerusalem. And that um, after that last supper, he went on to fulfill his mission. And ultimately, the disciples finally did get the message. And after he left, they, they started spreading the good news. And now here we are, thousands of years later, still spreading the good news. That you have promised, as you said in John 14, to come again. And you're going to take us home. You're preparing a place. You're longing to be with us face to face. And Lord, we, we sense today how special it is to actually be with people we love face to face. But Lord, we just long to see Jesus face to face. We realize how weak we are. We realize how when we have our own little tap roots trying to do it our way, trying to get our own nutrients, that Lord, just our lives are messed up. And we don't produce the fruit you've called us to produce. Lord, may you lift us up. And may we rely on you totally. And be connected to you 24-7. In Jesus' name, amen.